So uh, if you weren't here with us last week, we had um, family worship every fifth Sunday. So four times a year we have family worship. We had tables up here and we played with Play-Doh last week. We had a great time. And so at the end, we actually had a contest to win a, a, uh, some gift cards to uh, Walmart. And so you had, if you were on this side of the room, you had to um, spell out with Play-Doh, I am the vine, because we looked at Jesus' um, verse in, in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. This side had to say, you are the branches. They raced and they ran up here and whoever's team won, they got $5 gift cards for everybody. And I don't remember, I honestly don't remember, but look at this one, you are the Banches. I don't know what the Banches is, but that definitely did not win because you had each, each side had 18 letters when you considered uh, even the punctuation, all that stuff. So we had a great time. The next one is is going to be um, March 29th. That is actually Palm Sunday. This place will be covered with palm branches. You'll get to wave palm branches. Jesus will actually come riding in on a donkey. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you what kind of donkey, but he will be riding in on a donkey for that service, and there will be much more Play-Doh, so we want you to be here with us on that day. Now, we're starting a brand new series for 2020, and, and it's very important that you understand the title of the series, so I want you to say it with me. Ready? Here it is. Me and my big mouth. I'm the only one who spoke right then, so you try it. Ready? Children's big mouth, your boss's big mouth, your next door neighbor's big mouth. What does it say? Me and my big mouth. What are these two uh, pronouns right here? Me and my. This is, this is very, very big. Now, I want you to, to remember this, so, so we're going to do the, the big idea for four weeks, we're going to do this over and over and over again, is here it is, quick to listen, slow to speak. say that, quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, we're going to go all the way back to preteen camp when we had hand motions, because you need to know this, I'm telling you, you need to know this, so here it is, when we say quick to listen, we're going to go quick to listen, ready, try that, quick to listen, just as quick as you can, quick to listen. And then you're going to pretend like you're going into a text dot construction zone when you're going a little bit too fast and they're going, right? So, so we're going to say, quick to listen, slow to speak. We're even going to say it slowly. Ready? Quick to listen, slow to speak. Use that East Texas accent that you have and that you've perfected, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, this is very, very important because... Think about it. Some of you are like me. Some of you are like me. When, have you ever been in a, in a conversation or a, a conflict, we'll say, and you're so frustrated, you're not going to hit somebody, although that could happen. You're not going to hit someone, but you just, you're so frustrated, you just clench your fist and you go, Argh! you ever done that? I did that one time in 28 years in my marriage, and I've not done it since because it didn't go over. But let's just say you, you squeeze your fist together and you go, Argh! now here's the interesting thing. Whenever you squeeze your fist together, you're actually telling everybody else what's going on in your mind and in your heart. Because when you close your fists, you also close up your minds, your ears and your minds and your hearts. It means our, our minds are shutting down, our ears are shutting down, and it's ironic to me that, that when we close our fists in a conflict, it means every part of our body closes down except which part? Your mouth. Doesn't our mouth tend to flap a little more and we say things that we ordinarily wouldn't say because we're so frustrated with that other person. Now, when you're in a conflict, both people want the same thing. In fact, everybody in a verbal conflict wants the same thing. They want to be heard. Not just you, you hear words coming out of my mouth. 
you want to be understood. You want someone to know that it's coming from your heart. So I want you to be quick to listen and slow to speak, but you want me to be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? We all agree on that. We all want the same thing. So let's just admit something right now. We aren't going to agree on everything. There's actually a problem if you and I agree on everything. We're not going to agree on everything. We may not agree on how to parent. We may not agree on whom to date or which college you should go to or whether the Cowboys should fire Jason Garrett should have happened a long time ago, but you may not agree with that or who should replace Jason Garrett as the Cowboys coach. We may not agree on all of those things, but I want you to listen to me, which means I want you to at least acknowledge that you've heard what I had to say because here's the, here's the point. I can't hear what you have to say until you've listened to what I have to say and, and I need to listen to you so that you can trust me and say what you need to say. If sound is going to come out of your mouth, I don't want you to argue with me. I'm not looking for arguments. I want you to acknowledge that you've heard what I have to say. So to benefit every relationship you will ever have from this point on until you die or Jesus returns, we're going to do the hand motions again. Quick to listen, slow to speak. One more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak. We're going to do this for four weeks. Now, some of you have already disavowed the title of this sermon. You're, you're saying, it's not my mouth that's the problem. And you're thinking about all the people who should be here to hear this message. So I give you permission right now. Look at a neighbor and say, stop it. And then you can say, this message is for you. And this message is for me. So one more time, we're going to say the, the title of the series. Ready? Put it up there if you would. Me and my big mouth. Now I'm going to let you say it so everybody on Facebook can hear you say it with enthusiasm. Thank you. I actually heard you over there, Mary. Good job. Good example. <clears throat> Now, this is a game changer, and some of you, <laughs> her mom is laughing at that. Some of you may not know this, but what we just did, we actually, quick to listen and slow to speak, we actually learned part of a verse that was written by the half-brother of Jesus. There's one book in the New Testament written by a half-brother of Jesus. What's his, what's his name? James. And, and this is just funny to me. I say this all the time, but can you imagine if the Son of God was your older brother? How would that go over? It just cracks me up. Because I have two older brothers, and they are definitely not the son of God. And they'll tell you their little brother is definitely not the son of God. Can, can you just imagine growing up and saying to Jesus, you're not the boss of me? <laughs> now, you need to understand before we read this letter that James did not believe that Jesus was the son of God while Jesus was alive. He was a doubter. He was a skeptic. He actually thought his older brother was cray-cray, Right? But then something happened because when you stand and you watch your older brother die on a cross, you watch a Roman soldier pierce him in the side with a spear so that blood and water runs out and you are quite convinced that he's dead. You watch them lay your older brother in a tomb and then you're having breakfast with that older brother on the beach a few days later. You believe because when you see a dead man walking, it changes. And all of a sudden, James becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. And he's not, just, he's not just a casual believer. He goes all in. He becomes the leader in the Jerusalem church. And it's funny to me because 
in every town you go to. I grew up Baptist, so I w- always wondered, you know, there's always a first Baptist in every, every town. There's a first Christian in every town. And I'm like, somebody's got to be the first. Well, this was actually the first church. The first Christian church was in Jerusalem. And James wasn't just leading, you know, running the sound or doing the PowerPoint that, to put it up on the screen. He wasn't doing just those things. He wasn't just leading the music. He wasn't just preaching. James was doing everything because he was convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt that his older brother was the son of God who died for the sins of the world. The resurrection changed him. Now, about 30 years after the resurrection, James died a very bad death. You did not want to die the way James did. It was in AD 62, right around there, 30 years after the resurrection. Um, James is leading the church, and he's telling everyone, my older brother is the son of God who died on the cross to save you from your sins. The high priest at that time was a man named Ananias. Ananias did not believe in the resurrection. He didn't believe anybody rose from the dead. He was a Sadducee, and the Sadducees believed that you lived and then you died. That's why they were so sad, you see. That's how you can remember Sadducees didn't believe anything happened after death. That makes them sad. And you can remember the Pharisees because the Pharisees wanted you to follow rules that they wouldn't follow. So they're not fair, you see. That's just a little help there. That did not come from seminary. But that's how you remember. They didn't believe anyone rose from the dead. James keeps saying Jesus rose from the dead. Ananias didn't like him. Ananias wanted to shut him up. He wanted to kill him. The high priest wanted to kill James. But... Jews did not have permission to execute anyone without asking the Roman government. That's why they had to go to Pontius Pilate to kill Jesus. They didn't have the right to do that. So the guy that was governor at that time was named Festus. Festus dies, and before Rome can can assign a new governor to Judea, Ananias calls together the Sanhedrin, which was the Supreme Court of the Jews, and has a, a trial where they have all of these crazy charges against James, and they eventually stone James to death, pick up rocks, and they throw rocks at him until he dies before the new governor gets there. Well, James was such a popular person. People loved this guy, not because he was Jesus' half-brother, but because of the way he lived that they sent a delegation to meet the new governor who hasn't even arrived yet. So he's still miles away, and they go to him and they say, um, uh, Ananias had an, had an illegal trial He had an illegal execution So the new guy, Albinus, he gets upset He removes Ananias from being high priest He assigns a new high priest But not before James was killed For believing his brother was the son of God Now, James was such a good guy That they gave him a nickname And his nickname was James the Just That's a pretty good nickname That means you are right You're always promoting justice. James the Just was killed for believing his older brother was the son of God. Now, before he's killed, he writes a letter that has his name. It's It's in the New Testament. And in this letter, he tells us how to listen and when to speak. And if we'll follow his advice, all of our relationships will go better. And here it is in James chapter 1, verse 19. He says, my dear brothers, and notice the first two words that I highlighted, and sisters, long before there was a Me Too movement, long before there was women's lib, long before anybody was saying women should be promoted to to equals with men, Jesus treated women as equals. And the scripture says, brothers and sisters, this was remarkable because in that day and age, women did not have the right to work. They did not have the right to give a testimony. But Jesus allowed women to be the first ones to see him rise from the dead. Incredible that someone um, way back then, 2,000 years ago, was promoting women as equals the scripture actually says there's neither jew nor gentile slave nor free male nor female we are all one before jesus christ 
The scripture teaches that women are equal with men in every way. Our roles are different, but we're equal before God. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Well, that, that brings up a question. How do you speed up your hearing? How do, you, how do you listen quickly? You make it your first priority. It's the top of the list. James is making a list. He's making a list, checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty or nice. James the just is coming to town. Just made that up this morning. I actually did make that up this morning. I think they groaned in the first service. At least y'all giggled a little bit. They just groaned at me in the first service. The first item on your list should be listening, not the last. Scripture says this. One of my memory verses, Proverbs 18, 13. I didn't put this on there, but it says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and it is shame to him. How dare you, the Scripture says, answer before you know everything. James says the best thing you can do for any relationship is shut your trap and listen. I don't know why I, I thought of this. I guess it's because I like the... the series tv series psych and in psych they talk about shut your pie hole and so this morning i'm looking up where did shut your pie hole come from as god is my witness you look it up and it says this was this was um coined in 1980s and then they give you an explanation shut your pie hole where did it come from well your your mouth is where the pie goes so this is a phrase that means shut your mouth and i thought dude that's weird so then i kept studying and i found out that back in world war ii in 1943 the british actually had a saying shut your cake hole well we couldn't be like that so somebody in the 80s said shut your pie hole well we're 2020 new decade so i got a new one shut your bluebell hole and listen if you're new, you don't know that I am a bluebell connoisseur. That is bluebell right there. But I thought it's time. It's a new decade. Shut your bluebell hole and listen. Make, make listening the default, the first priority. Let's be honest. Isn't that what you're known for? Aren't you known for listening to others before you open up your bluebell hole? Isn't that what you want from others? You want them to listen first? See, Jesus told us to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. It's the golden rule. You want others to listen to you? Then, then you need to listen. Hurry and listen. Slow to speak. You want to be understood? Hurry to listen. Slow to speak. Literally, the idea is be late. Let your speaking be late. When it comes to your words, we're going to say this, wait and be late. Say that. When it comes to your words, what? Wait and be late. How can you be late to speak? You make it your last priority. First priority is listen. Let's be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Well, how do you do that? You've got to ask questions. You have to try to learn where people are coming from. All right, we've got a few more teenagers here than we had in the first service. Teenagers, if you want to, I'm, I'm telling you, you want to see your parents' mind just blow right in front of you, in the middle of your next conflict, say, and you've got to mean it, otherwise you're going to get smacked. But if you mean it, the head, minds will be blown. If you say, I really want to understand where you're coming from, they'll be so shocked, they'll forget what you were arguing about. If you're sincere, if not, smack. That's what would have happened in the Washburn household where I grew up. Um, Mama would have smacked you to next week. But, but if you're sincere, it'll blow their minds and they'll, they'll actually love you for it. Now, because what we do is we, we tend to do this. I'm 55 years old. 
I'm proud of that now. I was not proud of it on the house in Houston when we were putting on a roof this, the last three days. In fact, they finished this morning. Janie and I had to leave at noon yesterday because I had to preach. And all the time I said, man, that backup pastor, I wish I'd had that backup pastor preach. So we got rained on Thursday. We didn't get as much done as we wanted to. And then um, we tore off Friday and I could hardly move Friday night by the time we tore that roof off. And then we, uh, we started shingling yesterday. We got quite a bit done yesterday and they just couldn't get it all done. So George and George and Jeff and Jimmy uh, are driving back from Houston right now. They finished up this morning. But what we'll do is we'll, we'll say, we have some knowledge. So we got this bucket of knowledge. And, and because I have so much knowledge at, at 55, if you're younger than me, let me give you a little bit of knowledge. You, you could benefit from my knowledge. Shouldn't you listen? Oh, I don't need to listen. I've got knowledge. I'm going to pour some out. Oh, I have, I have gained me some wisdom. I've done some stupid stuff to gain that wisdom. I paid a high price for my wisdom. You need to listen to my wisdom because you're so young. You can't have the knowledge I have. You can't have the wisdom I have. We've got another bucket here. Oh, I've got experience. Let me give you some of my experience. Huh? What are you saying? I don't need to listen to you. I'm just going to give you some of my experience. My age, I'm just going to, because I've got all of this, I want to share it to you. Where's the listening? There is none. We beat people over the head. And then we wonder, why are they not listening? Why is no one listening to me? James would go, you idiot, you're not listening. He's telling us, quick to listen, slow to speak. If you do those two things, the first two things, quick to listen, slow to speak, then the third thing is the natural result of it. You'll be slow to become angry. So slow to become angry is both a result and a decision. It's the result of being quick to listen, slow to speak, and it's this, this decision. I'm going to listen to people first before I open up my mouth. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to be curious. Now, how many of you in here are the people that, if you're mad, everybody's going to know it? Some of y'all bet to raise your hands before I call you out from this pulpit because I know you've told me when you're mad. Yeah, look, at, I see you laughing. I'm not going to say anything. How many of you are stuffers? Stuffers are like, yeah, I'm a stuffer. The volcanoes were like, no, not me. Volcanoes tend to marry stuffers. Makes for a great atmosphere. So we blow up or we go inside. James says the reason your relationships suck is because you're not a good listener. You're not listening first. And the anger he's talking about, he's, it's, it's hasty, it's uninformed, it's relationally destructive conclusions that you're jumping to because you're so fast to share all your stuff and not listen to someone else's stuff. So he says, the longer you listen, the more you learn, the less you'll become angry. The longer you listen, the more you learn about where that person's coming from, the less you're going to be angry with that person. So as I'm studying this, I read this and I just kept thinking about it, thinking about it. I said, I've got to put this on the screen. Because this is going to blow your mind. Everything everyone does makes sense to them. You ever gone, what were they thinking, right? Well, they were thinking, at the time, they were thinking it was a great idea. Now, they may tell you afterwards, man, that was dumb. I've done a lot of those. It gets worse. Everything that everyone says makes sense to them, at least before they say it, Right? That's pretty scary. When you find yourself thinking, when you, when you see somebody do something, you hear them say something, and you're thinking, how could they say or do that? It means you need an education. You need to listen to where they're coming from. 
But because that requires time and effort, most of us will just remain ignorant. We'd rather be ignorant than, than put forth the effort to get to know where someone comes from. So that means we have a different bucket. We willingly choose to stay ignorant and we dish out our ignorance to other people who are also ignorant and who agree with our ignorance and the world gets dumber because we're just dishing out ignorance. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is shame, folly, God says. It is ignorant to share what you think you know without ever listening. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. There's a better way to handle it. Birds of a feather flock together, ignorant people hang out together and just bask in their ignorance. And the, the sad thing about people who carry the ignorance bucket, if you want to tell them where you're coming from, they'll say, suck it, suck it. That's a psych line too, sorry. That tells you what kind of shows I watch on TV. James is saying there's a better way to handle your ignorance it's you go to school, you ask questions, you listen until you understand where that person's coming from. Seek first to understand someone else and then to be understood. Well, how do you understand? If you just don't understand, you've got to ask some questions and you've got to listen. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it's shame and it's folly. And you all know this. If you have children or if you've ever taught Sunday school or anything, you know that if your mouth is moving, learning rarely happens. Y'all agree with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And we could go home right now, and many of you are going, man, two weeks in a row, because we got out early last week, and people are going, Doug, you've never let us out this early. We could go home right now, and if you just did this, you'd be great, but you would miss the spiritual depth of what James is trying to tell us. Because some of you are already thinking, all right, I can use this. If I'm calmer... I'll be more convincing. I'll win more arguments. And if you think like that, you'll totally miss what James is trying to tell you. When I don't get my way, anger happens. When you don't get your way, anger happens. And James says, when that happens, we miss the spiritual significance. And here it is in verse 20. Because human anger, your anger, my anger, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger does not produce, it does not result in, does not cultivate, does not look like at all the righteousness that God desires. So we just got to stop and admit that we're not doing what God wants us to do when it comes to relationships, when it comes to listening. Because every conversation we're in has at least three agendas. Yours, mine, and God's. As long as you're trying to be right, and you're trying to convince me you're right, and you're hammering me with your rightness, and I'm doing the same thing, and I want you to acknowledge that I'm right, and I'm hammering you with my rightness... We don't even consider God's perspective. And we certainly don't honor God with our words. Your anger and your frustration at not getting your way and, and my anger and my frustration at not being able to convince you that I'm right does not produce God's righteousness. In fact, it makes God say, neither of your rights are right. That's your righteousness, not God's. See, my righteousness, I know I'm right, your righteousness, you know you're right, and we're going to try to fight it out and convince each other we're right. And James said, whoa, you have missed what righteousness really is. Because when you win an argument, do you really win anything? I won. Where's your wife? Well, she left, but I won. Whoop-dee-doo. Big deal. Yeah, it's not over till she says it's over. <clears throat> All right, hang on. Here, here's the point. 
God doesn't take sides. God takes over. God's not on your side. The question is, are you on God's side? Are you producing his righteousness or are you just trying to beat everybody up with your righteousness? He doesn't want you to be right at each other. He wants you to be right with each other. Jesus didn't come to be right. He came to make us right with God and with other people. If Jesus had come to be right, it wouldn't have ended with him being on the cross. Now the second time Jesus comes, he comes in his righteousness and all who have not chosen to be on his side will be cast into the lake of fire. He's coming to be right next time. The first time he came to reconcile. And if we want to be like him, we're supposed to reconcile with others. Well, how do we do that? James says, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And he says, while we're talking about your pie hole, while we're talking about your blue bell hole, let me tell you something else about that, that thing in the front of your face. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. There should not even be a hint of sexual immorality among God's people. No coarse jesting, the Bible says. No dirty jokes. No double uh, on no, um, no saying one thing and meaning another just so you get a laugh. Mm-mm. Get rid of all of that stuff and the evil that is so prevalent. And look at, look at what he says. Humbly accept you which can save you. I don't know what's going on with my microphone. Get rid of means to take off. So I take off this I've got to be right jacket and I put on the humility jacket. And when you do, you're just like Jesus. Because in Philippians chapter 2, it says that we should have the same attitude as, the, as Christ Jesus, who though being in very nature God, made himself nothing and became obedient even to death on the cross. When I take off this humble, uh, the, the being right jacket, put on the humble jacket, I'm saying we are more important than me. How often does that happen in a church? Look what happens if you do it, though. Verse 21 says, Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. He's not talking about salvation here. He is writing a letter to people who are already Christ followers. They already have eternal life. If he's not talking about eternal life, what's he talking about? What's he talking about saving? Your marriage. Put on humility, you might just save your marriage. Put on humility, you might save your job. You might save relationships. You be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. You'll be surprised at what all God will help save in your life. Because if you do what God says, you will always produce the righteousness that God desires. But if you choose to be right all the time, your righteousness, your own righteousness. The Apostle Paul has some words for you. And man, this has just been getting all over me. I've been reading in the, in the book of Jeremiah. I just finished Isaiah. I went to Jeremiah, so I'm, I was on... Uh, uh, chapter 47, I think, today of, of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah preached for 40 years. God said, tell these people I'm about to destroy this land because they did not believe me. They have not been obedient. They've worshipped idols. In, in fact, one time he tells Jeremiah, go and count how many righteous people are in, in Jerusalem. God says this. He said, if you find one righteous person, I will not destroy Jerusalem. Jeremiah come, comes back. He doesn't find a single one. That just scared me. I thought because... <laughs> what if God came to our churches and he said, a prophet, count, count how many righteous people are in that church, not righteous in their own eyes. 
God's righteousness. That's kind of scary. Here, here's what Paul says. If, if we don't produce the righteousness that God desires, we produce our own righteousness. And here's what Paul says. God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. God's name. I highlighted God's name. It doesn't matter what somebody else thinks. Honestly, in the long run, when I stand before God, it doesn't matter if I pleased you or not. I do not want God to, to say to me, my name was blasphemed among people outside the church because you lived in your righteousness. That kind of scares me, kind of makes me sick to my stomach to think that, that I could stand before God and he could say, your righteousness stinks. I want to produce God's righteousness. Back in November, I felt like God was leading me to do this, this uh, series and I wasn't real sure why and, and then as I was studying Jeremiah, God just led me to several things. And here are two of my, my memory verses right now. You know how people will post, um, my, I, I've got family members who've just recently posted, God gave me this word for the new year. Several years ago, my word for the year was, was expectation. Um, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Let me lay my request before you and wait in expectation. And I was like, oh, that's a good word. And God gave me that word and expectation. All that year, I don't remember, two or three years ago, expectation. And people's words are hope and love and peace and joy. And, and I'm sitting there back in November or December, and God gives me a different word, and, and I don't like this word. Here it is in 1 Peter 4, 17. 2020 for New Life Community Church. For it is time for judgment. My word for 2020 is judgment. I told Janie about that. She goes, oh, I'm excited. I'm like, I'm sick to my stomach. For it's time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? It is time for judgment to come to the pastor of New Life Community Church, for the board of New Life Community Church, the band of New Life Community Church, guest services, security, the children's workers. It is time for us to judge ourselves. If we do not, God will judge us. And we're not going to give people outside these walls a reason to blaspheme the God that we say we serve. And we're not going to promote our righteousness. We want to promote the righteousness that God desires. And here's why. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. If we, Christ followers, were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such what? I don't like this word. Because it means I'm supposed to look in the mirror of God's word. And if there's something in me that does not match up with God's word, whether it's, whether it's talking about finances or, or sexuality or it talks about how I, I deal with my wife or my own righteousness, if it does not match up with the word of God, I'm supposed to judge myself. Otherwise, I will come under judgment and you will come under judgment. Aren't you glad you came to New Life Community Church on the first Sunday of 2020? I'm sorry, I, I just... If we would examine ourselves, God wouldn't have to do it. And we'd be known as this place where people are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Isn't that a place you'd love to go? That's a place you'd love to connect, to become family? I want to be a part of a church like that. I ain't got that much time left. So why don't we make it this one? I'm not that old, but when I was crawling around shooting shingles, I was feeling old. 
In fact, after we tore off the shingles, my shoulder hurt so bad that it was about three hours. It was just throbbing, and I couldn't touch it, and I'm laying in bed. I mean, I took NyQuil, because I've been coughing like crazy. I didn't just take it, but I took some NyQuil. It didn't do nothing. I'm just, and I'm going, how come some more you suckers didn't come help me tear this roof off? That's exactly what I was thinking. It is time for the people of God to produce the righteousness that he requires. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. God, we thank you that you don't judge us immediately when we mess up because every one of us would be fried. We'd be separated from you, and it is only your grace that has brought us back. Teach us what it means to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, and teach us what it means to produce the righteousness you require, to put on that humility jacket and to serve people like you served us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.